Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry. And today we're going to do a fixing fable, which is a little thing we do where we take commonly misunderstood passages and we fix them. We show them in their context and what they really mean. Uh, It's actually one of my more favorite things we do, sometimes I think because it's short. (laughs) and I've always got work. And so we're going to do one on 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and chapter 6. The specific passages are, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? That's 1 Corinthians 3.16 passage. And the one similar to that in 1 Corinthians 6.19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? So these are two passages that often end up way out of context. They're used for various purposes that are well beyond the actual meaning of the text. So what we'll give is several examples just to really show you how pervasive this thinking is. And maybe it's going to be you as well. Uh, Here are some examples. Um, I'm quoting literally from one uh, website on biblical, I think it's called the biblicalnutritionist.org. Yes. Um, Feed it with junk, and it leads to your body's destruction. I'm quoting all of this. When you don't take care of your temple, and it ends up in ruins. But I understand sometimes you wander and drift away from what you're supposed to be doing and how you're supposed to be treating your body. Just like the story of the Israelites, who shift and drift and wander away from the Lord. A cycle of wandering and being delivered by God and doing the same thing over and over again. She actually makes that argument. She goes on, I couldn't do any further about how, see, it's just like you, 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 you wander from your good diet plan and your healthy uh, regimen. And, and then you have to go back and do it again. It's just the same thing, just like the Israelites. Just like, just like, (laughs) like, well, here's another one from, Here's the biblical nutritionist, oh. yeah, uh, entitled Your Body is a Temple. Uh, <laughs> Actually, Matt, go ahead and finish it. This is, an, uh, this is still part oh, the of continuation. that quote. Okay. Yes, I, that's says, my bad. <laughs> here's why we're so bad at this sometimes. We, I'll write a script and you'll write a script, and the first time we'll see them is when we're doing it. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay, so, so, <laughs> so, so start with that the paragraph above. The one you just read? Yeah. Okay says, feed it with junk, and it leads to your body's destruction. When you don't care, when you don't take care of your temple, and it ends up in ruins. But I understand sometimes you wander and drift away from what you're supposed to be doing and how you're supposed to be treating your body, just like the story of the Israelites who shift and drift and wander away from the Lord. A cycle of wandering being delivered by God and doing the same thing over and over again. And she says, your body is the temple And as Christians, we should be the healthiest group of people in the entire world. Yet, if we're studied as a group, we'd probably be in the category with the highest amount of illness. Okay, she's an idiot. (laughs) 
that that is just so not true. <laughs> I'm I'm going to just throw out that there's one category that might be a bit more less healthy and high amount illnesses. That's going to be the crack addict. <laughs> okay, I'm going to throw another one. Just I'm just throwing these out. The homeless dude. All right, could just, be. They're all possible. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, so here. Uh, Yale Divinity School notes on their webpage that our bodies are temples, so that is why they refer to their gym, hear this, as a cathedral of sweat. <laughs> this is Yale Divinity School, started by the Puritans in the 1600s. <laughs> Taken over by the liberals. Yeah. <laughs> now they can't even <laughs> exegete themselves out of a sweaty bag. <laughs> cathedral. Sweaty cathedral. A, a, a sweaty cathedral, yes. Uh, anyhow. How about our favorite not uh, <laughs> publication in Christianity Today? There's an article related to fat acceptance. Of course, there is. Uh, in in fact, <laughs> in fact, this author is making a living off of weight and being fat. It's like do you, as you read the Bible, these just are not the problems that plague the church. No. But no. we'll make them. Go yeah. ahead. Sorry. But, so it's all about fat acceptance, and she actually, her living is about talking about being fat. Uh, the essence of the article is simply this. I am fat. <laughs> I'm, not, I, I'm not that far off of actual quotes. I just couldn't, no pun intended, stomach. Uh, sure, sure. Quoting that length this article. I am fat, and the Holy Spirit resides in the body of an athlete as well as in a person who is morbidly obese. And the basis for this is 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and chapter 6. And from there, she goes on to talk about accepting being fat and how to get other people to begin to accept it as well. Uh, well, did you have one? Okay. So no, no, I, I, well, there's all kinds yeah. of things I want to talk about. Probably I mean, wise like, we see, filter. Paul, right. Paul, when he's writing to Corinth, he's like, you know what we need? Fat acceptance. So I'm going, I'm going to, we need biblical nutritionists, by golly. That's what we need. Mm -hmm. And maybe you'll make money off it. Uh, so she here, did. She's written that's two That's what books. I'm saying. She, she's written two books, and she's now a highly sought-after speaker. Yeah. Peddling the Word of God. Anyhow. <laughs> All right. So here's one from a priest in an Orthodox church. Said St. Paul tells us that we are the people of the living God. The temple. The temple of the living God. God does not only reside in our church building or in our altar. He resides in our offices, our homes, our relationships, and our own bodies. Our bodies are supposed to be holy entities. God created each of them in his image and likeness and has put his spirit himself into each of us. So if we are eating too much or having too much to drink or if we never exercise or if we mutilate our bodies, we are not keeping our temple of the living God in an appropriate way. When our eyes see bad things, or our mouths say bad words, or our ears listen to bad music, or our minds give way to bad thoughts, we're also not keeping our temple as it should be kept. There you go. Again, 
they're all a same common theme. Uh, I thought this was interesting. We came across several articles from the Mormons who now only want to be called members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's the only proper way to call them, which makes me want to call them Mormons, but that's because I'm a jerk. Um, the author, he's an elder at a local stake um, congregation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the author makes the correlation between their temples at, meaning their actual physical temple, uh, like the Mormon temple in Salt Lake City or in other places. So he's like, there's this correlation between that temple and the body as a temple. And so he re writes, what? We're going to get in so much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> We're just fixing fables, dude. <laughs> All right. <laughs> fix away. Fix away. Shush. Uh, <laughs> there is no subject we are afraid to take on. Um, well, anyhow. So he writes, we should take into our bodies only things that will positively affect us both spiritually and physically. We must be thoughtful and careful about how we address and what we put on our personal temples. Like it or not, other people make judgments about the restored gospel by what they see in us. We must not participate with when the fads and fashions of the world entice us to mark, to pierce, to deface, to disfigure our personal temples. Our personal temples must be used to accomplish righteous purposes. Our physical body is a blessing, a timely trust or timeless trust, and makes a forever family possible. That forever family, people who don't know Mormonism, that's the idea that you will eventually, if you are a really good Mormon, you'll make it all the way to the point where you're your own God and you will call your wife who you got married in the temple and were given a secret name that only you know, that when you call her name, she'll be brought to you. Uh, if you weren't happy with her, then you won't call her name, uh, but she'll then be raised and then you will make spirit babies and have your own whole universe of your own to rule over. That's the forever family. It's all about First Corinthians 3 and 6. Bam. Yep. <laughs> I was going to say, never mind. Um, <laughs> over, over at Proverbs, Proverbs31.org, uh, there's an article uh, says much the same of what we're already uh, reading here about healthy living and eating. Um, at, you can go read it there. Yeah. Uh, at the, the bluedovefoundation.org. Um, it says at a Jewish website that they would deny Christ. Um, interestingly enough, the author takes these passages to make a point about the need for mental health. Um, she then connects the idea of our bodies as temples to the great need to rebuild that physical temple in Jerusalem. Um, and then as faithful Jews mourn about the loss of the temple in Jerusalem and how they'll pray it will be rebuilt, so too we should mourn for those who harm their own personal tempt. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> you guys have to understand, this is the very first time he's seen this. <laughs> everyone, everyone needs a purpose, you know? Uh, yeah, so. I just, I, I just want, so I watched this thing called The 90s, The Deadliest Decade or something. The Lady. 90s? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of them was about the cults because the cults, 
I mean, they've always been, but um, it's when you were getting those weird ones. Yeah. And they were interviewing these people and they just kept referring to their, their temples, their temples, their tents. And so I'm reading these and I'm thinking, this sounds almost cult-like. And then that's because it is. It is. Yeah. It is. Yes. So these are all similar ideas and they all capture the assumption that what Paul is talking about are our own personal bodies. Quick little story. Uh, I, I was working at Grace Community Church. I was at that point the benefits administrator, um, and I'm in my little cubicle. Oh, so and, you were part of a cult too? Yeah, Grace Church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can read all about it on <laughs> JulieRoyce.com. Make certain you donate to her worthy cause of gossip and slander. Yeah. Um, anyhow, <laughs> we are in trouble. So. We've been doing a lot, a few hours of taping people. You yeah. have to understand, we're tired. Um, but so I'm in my little cubicle, and I had gotten some fries and a burger from a place called In and Out Burgers. Uh, oh yeah, you've been there. Place. I took yeah. you there when we went down to L.A. Yeah, I mean, it's just phenomenal food. And so I meet my fries, and uh, my friend walks by, and I said, "Hey, you, would you like some fries?" And he's like, "No, no, no. Uh, my body is a temple." And so I, I, I don't eat fries. And I'm in seminary, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, hey, Mark. I said, that's fine. But just so you know, that's not what that text says. So if you ever want, we could sit down, we'll look at it. But, I mean, if you don't want fries, just say so. <laughs> and I, I'm like, more for me, man. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it happens all the time. It's all about our personal bodies. Take care of them. But is that what's being said? No. No, it's not. So I'm going to read this, but I'm going to draw out some things out of the Greek so that you understand maybe a little bit better before we actually get into it. So in 1 Corinthians 3.16, I'm going to say it, but I'm also going to tell you if it's in the plural or singular. So he says, do you, plural, you all, not know that you, plural, are God's singular temple? And that God's spirit lives in you all, plural, okay? Or, and then verse 6, or chapter 6, verse 19, or do you, plural, not know that your, plural, body, singular, is the temple, singular, of the Holy Spirit who is in you, plural, whom you, plural, have from God, and you, plural, are not your, plural, own? It's yours. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so we want to, yeah, we're going to walk you through this passage um, it, with with these points in mind, and it'll help you appreciate what Paul is saying. So, First Corinthians three, the context there is all about teachers, which again is something that yeah people skip to. Um, but Paul talks about men who take the foundation of Jesus Christ and then they build on it. And so he there is speaking of pastors and teachers. And if they build well, then on the day of judgment, they'll receive reward. And if they're not building well, then as Paul says, they will suffer loss. But regardless, they will be saved because they're building on the gospel. So if you're not sure what we're talking about here, that's the one where if anyone builds with wood, hay, and stubble or with gold, silver, and precious stones on the day of judgment, what remains will be rewarded. It's actually the whole thing there is talking about teachers building yeah. on the gospel, the foundation of Christ. Yeah. And that's one where it says, and then they'll be saved, but as through a flame. Yeah. 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 And we often say, well, you know, you got more carnal type Christians who are barely 
they'll barely get into heaven yeah. and it's not it's talking it's, about teachers yeah, yeah so that's another common error is it's talking about carnal christians versus spiritual christians and you want to be that it's not talking about that all kinds of just dumb doctrines come out of first corinthians yeah so um to make his his point all the more poignant then he tells him that the spirit dwells in the body which again is talking about the church so when the teachers start thinking that they should try a new idea or a novel doctrine Paul's point is they instead should not and they should stop um, this is not their building or church but the point is that it is God's so with that context he immediately talks about if a man actually destroys the temple of God then God will destroy him um, I heard one man say he he wrecks those who wreck the church bam like wow. that preaches yeah um, so, so teaching poor doctrine will cost the teacher in the end. Yeah, he's going to suffer loss. Yeah, uh, teaching false doctrine that it destroys the church is evidence of God's impending divine judgment. He's going to destroy you. Right. Yeah, so we all, each one of us is not will run around as a private temple, is his point. All of us, he's telling the church at Corinth, you as a corporate body make up a single temple. Which again, there's so much there, especially here in the West, where we're very individualistic and yep. it's about my relationship with Jesus. And, it, you know, to one of our earlier episodes on being a faithful, available, teachable Christian, go to church. Yeah. Um, you're not an individual where you can just function as an independent individual Christian. You belong to this yep. greater temple. Yep. And so, you, yeah, I, I, we could go way off on this. Okay. How about 1 Corinthians 6 then? So again, the idea is not about the individual body, but the church. He's still dealing with that same concept. But now he deals with a different subject. He deals with sexual immorality in the church and the various ways people are arguing to allow those activities. And so in verse 9, he actually bluntly says that the one who practices sexual immorality, along with thieves and drunkards and swindlers and such, that they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, this is actually a lot like God will destroy the false teacher in the church who tries to destroy his church. Uh, here he says, those who want to practice these sorts of things, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. They will not have life. So in verse 12, then, he de deals with the one of, with what was one of two common arguments being made. Now listen to this to track. He, the first argument that he is dealing with is all things are lawful for me. So because they understood they were under grace and the salvation by grace alone, the people made it kind of like their little thing. All things are lawful for me. Uh, I grew up in a church where people said all the time, well, at least it's under the blood. It's the exact same comment, concept. They had no intention of repenting. It doesn't matter. It's under the blood. So he deals with that. It's, it's the argument that hyper-grace people today like to make. And he just shoves them all aside by saying, true, but the proper view is it may be lawful, but is it profitable? And it, and, and it must not have mastery over you. So he's like, you're missing the point. You're looking for it for licentiousness rather than understanding self-control. Then the other argument people use is the very next verse in verse 13 where they say, well, food is for the stomach and stomach is for the food. So there's nothing wrong with that. So if we have a body and it's made for sex and sex is for the body, it's no more worse than if we go eat a pizza. That's how God made us. And he says, yes, but God's going to do away with both of them. 
He's like, you've made the wrong correlation. The body is not for immorality or sex. He says it's for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. So again, you need to understand that the church does not belong, and you do not belong. We may have bodily craving for sexual release, but that doesn't give us the right to go then act out on our desires. The body actually belongs to the Lord, not simply for sex. So then he brings up the body as a temple. And you can see how easy it is for people to think that it's just talking about individual bodies because of the context of how it's worked out. And in a sense, he is. So he's dealing with all the individual parts in the church, all those people, and having them understand you all have a part to play in it, but it's actually to make a greater point. And that is that in some way to partake of the immorality is to sin, but it also makes this bigger point about that immorality. When a believer partakes in sexual immorality, they actually affect the church as well. This is kind of crazy. It makes then our sin all the more heinous because it actually is affecting the whole local body of Christ. Why and how? Well, it's all about worship. Remember in Corinth, like most places back then, uh, there was uh, the famous temple of Aphrodite. Matt and I have actually been to it uh, yep. up on the Acro Corinth. Yeah. Um, and this temple, like many of that day, involved temple prostitutes, and that would include both male and female prostitutes who you would go and visit. And in doing so, it had this joining of the physical with the spiritual, and it was all about worship. It was also about sex, but they, they thought this was worship. It's actually very common throughout history. That's actually what's involved when you read about the asterisk poles in the Old Testament. That was, again, the sex sexual prostitution. The Babylonians did it. In fact, that story of Judah and Tamar in Genesis 38 is all about this. Uh, Judah saw what he thought was a temple prostitute, and so he's like, hey, I think I'll stop in and do a little so-called worship. (laughs) I mean, that's what he's thinking. Unbeknownst to him, uh, it's a trap uh, because of his unrighteousness. So it was so common in the days, especially of Corinth, that it was considered totally acceptable in the pagan non-Christian world. And so it's something that Paul has to repeatedly address. To visit a temple prostitute was to participate in more than a personal private sex act. It was actual worship, and you're participating in this false idolatrous worship forbidden by God. And that's what he's talking about. And so as, the, as part of the true temple, the church, when you did this, you actually defiled the purity of the church. And that's because we're not a lot of little temples that are running around independent. We're together as that corporate entity. We make up the single temple. And so how we function in that affects the health and the well-being of the temple, which goes back again to your faithful, available, teachable Christian. The, the number of people who barely impact the church or they only negatively impact the church is incredible and and they just need to do that so keep this in mind uh that's what those two passages are talking about it's talking about the church the local church as the temple and that we as a group make up that temple not a bunch of private ones it's not talking about french fries it's not talking about sex per se of uh, individual even though that's, that you can't hear that and say, oh, so I can do that. No, you can't, but not because of why you think you can't. You can't because you're harming the church. Um, our actions are not private. 
They pull the whole church into it as well. Our teachings better build up rather than tear down the church, or our actual very souls are in grave doubt. So what really jumps out in passages like these is the incredible necessity of and the centrality of the local church. Anyone who treats that local church casually is acting foolishly, and they're assuming way more than they should. Well, that's it. Uh, We hope you enjoyed that. If you have questions, you want clarification, just have to send us a note. Uh, We're getting a lot better now that we figured out all the places that people can message us. So please do so. Uh, We ask you to like us on uh, the and, and share us on the various social networks that you're on. And as always, we ask you to tell a friend. 